Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to the Dion Gordon Podcast. I am your host, the connoisseur of common sense, the purveyor of authenticity, the man who calls it right down the middle. Dion Tyre Gordon, enough of the bullshit. Let's get to work. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us all rejoice and be glad in it. Despite the best efforts of overpaid Trevor Simeon, of Teddy Bridgewater with privilege, of the most overrated football player in the history of the sport, Jimmy Garoppolo, as hard as he tried to lose the football game and throw away the season for the San Francisco 49ers, the 49ers were able to beat the Dallas Cowboys 23-17 and move on to the divisional round of the NFC playoffs. America's team is moving on, and the Dallas Cowboys are finished. Have a seat, have several seats, preferably at the kids' table, and allow the grown men to continue on playing football. The fraudulent, overrated champions of the NFC least Dallas Cowboys. Their season has now come to an end. Only so long fake teams can pretend. Even though Jimmy Garoppolo was actively trying to sabotage the 49ers, nevertheless, they persisted, and the 49ers are moving on. How sweet it is. I waited all week for this game. This was all I thought about last week. This was the end-all, be-all for me. As a football nerd, as a lifelong 49er fan, as someone who's always hated, loathed, and detested the miserable scumbag Dallas Cowboys, I couldn't wait for this game. Even though I hate the Cowboys, I appreciate their place in NFL history. They are a signature franchise. They are also a five-time world champion football team. There was a combined 10 Super Bowl championships in this game. You can't deny the 49ers and Cowboys' place in NFL history. This is the greatest non-divisional rivalry in all of professional football. 49ers and Cowboys, Tom Landry, Bill Walsh, Roger Staubach, Joe Montana, Steve Young, Troy Aikman, Jerry Rice, Michael Irvin, Ricky Waters, Emmitt Smith, Jay Novacek, Brent Jones, Nate Newton, Jesse Sapolu, Randy Cross, Mark Tuane, Mark Stepnoski, Steve Wallace, Derek Deese, Larry Allen, Charles Haley, Ken Norton Jr., and Deion Sanders played for both teams. Two of those guys are in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and Ken Norton Jr. is not, but he was a fantastic football player in his day. Darren Woodson was awesome. So was Merton Hanks and Tim McDonald. I mean, that's the era that I grew up in in the 90s watching this Cowboys 49ers rivalry, but it goes back to the late 60s to the 70s. They played in the 1970 NFC Championship game. Um, and all throughout the 70s, they had classic battles with each other with John Brody going up against Roger Staubach. And then, of course, the classic 1981 NFC Championship game with the, the catch with Joe Montana running sprint right option and finding Dwight Clark, the late great Dwight Clark, rest in peace, in the back of the end zone for the touchdown, which catapulted the 49ers to Super Bowl 16, their first ever Super Bowl, where they defeated the Cincinnati Bengals 26-21 for the first championship in 49er history. The first of five, Camelot, was born on January the 10th, 1982. This is the history of the sport. It gets no bigger than this, and it was so awesome to see the rivalry be renewed in the playoffs. The last four times the 49ers and Cowboys played each other in the playoffs, it was NFC Championship games. The winner obviously went to the Super Bowl, and the winner in that game went on to win the Super Bowl. Growing up in the 90s, when the Niners and Cowboys played each other, that was your real Super Bowl. That was the de facto Super Bowl. 
with all due respect and apologies to the Buffalo Bills and San Diego Chargers, the real Super Bowl was the Niners and the Cowboys in 92, 93, and 94. And 92 and 93 is where my hate for the Cowboys started from. I think I've mentioned this before in the podcast. It bears repeating. A seven and also an eight-year-old Deion Gordon cried himself to sleep when those scumbag Dallas Cowboys beat my beloved San Francisco 49ers in the NFC Championship game. I was young. I was a kid. I was a baby watching the NFL. I was just getting into the NFL. I started watching football when I was six, and the Niners were the team that I gravitated towards, as I've explained on this podcast before. Growing up in Maryland, the Redskins played at 1 o'clock. The 49ers played at 4 o'clock. The late West Coast game was always the San Francisco 49ers, and usually that game being compensated by the late, great Pat Summerall and the late, great John Madden. This is the team of my childhood. This is the team of my youth. The 49ers mean a lot to me. Obviously, I talk about them on almost every podcast. And watching them lose to the Cowboys in the 92 and 93 NFC Championship game just broke my heart. Just tore me up. It put me to bed with tears in my eyes. I couldn't stomach it. I couldn't take it. And since then, I've had a personal vendetta and a certain level of animosity with the Dallas Cowboys. I can't stand that team. I respect them. I respect their history. I respect many of their players. Most, pretty much all the players I just named. I got a healthy, a high level of respect for all those men who have worn that Cowboy uniform. Tony Dorsett. Uh, I forgot to mention him. Even guys like Randy White, Ed Tuttle, Jones, Hollywood Henderson, guys who were way before my time, Don Meredith, so on and so forth, the late great Dan Reeves who just passed away. I, got, I have an abundant amount of respect for the men who played this sport, even if they wore Dallas Cowboy uniforms. But as a 49er fan, fuck them. I can't stand the Cowboys. Never have, never will. I don't know what it is. I mean, growing up in Maryland, I was surrounded by a lot of Cowboys fans. I got Cowboys fans in my family. You know, I, I love them, but it, it's a friendly back and forth. It's not real hate. I don't wish anything on anyone. It's just a friendly hate and overall shit talking. But make no mistake about it, I don't like the Dallas Cowboys, the pretentiousness of that team. This team, you know, back in the day, they played at Texas Stadium. Texas Stadium had a giant hole in the roof. It was a dome stadium but it had a giant hole in the roof. And the reason for that hole the Cowboys always gave was that we have a hole in our roof so that God can watch his favorite team play football. This team is called America's team. They have stars on their helmet. Everything about them just screams pretentious cocksuckers. They're the most arrogant and most overrated franchise in all of sports. You look at the teams that are like universally hated, they got a bunch of bandwagon fans. You look at the L.A. Lakers, the New York Yankees, the Dallas Cowboys, at least the Lakers and Yankees have won championships in high-definition TV. The Cowboys' last championship was in 1995, Super Bowl Thirty. The last time they played in a conference championship game, same year. For the past 26 years, the Dallas Cowboys have been completely irrelevant But at the same time, they've been shoved down everyone's throats on mainstream media, in particular ESPN, the worldwide leader in sports. All they ever want to talk about when they talk about football, first and foremost, are the Dallas Cowboys. Skip and Shannon undisputed. Skip Bayless is an unapologetic Dallas Cowboys fan. Doesn't even try to hide it. 
doesn't even try to be objective, doesn't even try to hide his bias. And there's a number of folks who at one time were affiliated with the Dallas Cowboys who are a part of mainstream sports media. The lead broadcast team for pro football for the NFL on Fox and CBS both feature former Dallas Cowboy quarterbacks. On Fox, you have Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. On CBS, you have Jim Nance and Tony Romo. And that, that was the broadcasting crew for this 49er Cowboy game yesterday. And Tony Romo showed his Cowboy bias. Make no mistake about that. That was on full display for millions and millions of people to watch, listen, and observe. Former Dallas Cowboys quarterback Tony Romo might as well have been waving the pom-poms. He might as well have put on a Cowboys cheerleader outfit yesterday in the booth. He was openly rooting for the Dallas Cowboys throughout most of this game. He's not alone. Jimmy Johnson's on Fox. So is Daryl Johnston. Michael Irvin, the biggest Cowboy fan out there, the biggest Cowboy partisan on the planet on NFL Network and ESPN on first take now. He's firmly in favor of the Dallas Cowboys. Same thing. Doesn't even try to hide it. They got Cowboys everywhere in the media. But the 49ers, we got Steve Young and Steve Mariucci. That's about it. The 49ers were an afterthought. The 49ers were also ran. The little engine that could. Oh, by the way, the Cowboys are playing the 49ers this weekend. The Cowboys with the stars on their helmet are the literal stars of the show, and the 49ers are the supporting actor. Bullshit. The 49ers were the better football team going into the game, during the game, and after the game, and they showed that for 60 minutes. The San Francisco 49ers were the better football team. I say all that to say this. I wanted this win yesterday. I needed this win yesterday. You can't lose the fucking Cowboys. A coworker uh, a few days before the game asked me, what team in the NFL do I hate the most? And without hesitation, I said the Dallas Cowboys. And he was, he was confused. He was like, oh, really? You hate the Cowboys that much? I was like, you don't know, do you? This is the rivalry. Yes, I hate the other three teams in the NFC West, most notably Seattle and Arizona. Arizona is like the Utah Jazz of the NFL. Like, yeah, you're a good team, but no one gives a shit about you. So just go away. You don't you don't matter. No one you, you have like 47 fans. No one wants to watch your games on national TV. Like you're you're irrelevant. You're nothing. You're below the ground. You're dirt. That's how I look at the Arizona Cardinals. You have ugly uniforms. You have no fan base. You don't matter. You have, no, you have no history. You don't matter. Just go the fuck away. Stop wasting everyone's time. I was happy to see the Rams get the Cardinals the fuck up out of here tonight and eliminate, eliminate them from the playoffs. Good. Get the Cardinals out of here. I don't like the Rams either, but the Niners always beat the Rams. So I'm kind of looking at the Rams as like a mercenary, as a hired gun situation. I need the Rams to do what they did tonight, beat the Cardinals, number one, and then go on the road and beat the Buccaneers because those are two teams I don't think the 49ers match up well with. So I need the Rams to do our dirty work for us. Go beat those teams because the Rams, obviously, they beat the Cardinals tonight, and they've beaten the, the Buccaneers the last two times they played them. So they match up well with Tampa. We don't. So if the Rams can beat them and then we can take care of our business with Green Bay this Saturday – now you have an NFC championship game with San Francisco and Los Angeles. And we've beaten them six times in a row. We match up very well with the Rams. They don't match up well with us. 
So if that all happens, we can get back to the Super Bowl this year. But back to what I was talking about, I can't stand all three teams in the NFC West, and I really don't like and despise the Dallas Cowboys and the Green Bay Packers. Add them to this list too. They beat us a bunch of times in the 90s with Brett Favre and knocked the 49ers out of the playoffs. So five teams in the NFL I just can't stand. The Cowboys, the Packers, the Seahawks, the Cardinals, the Rams. Fuck all five of those teams. So with all that being said, I desperately needed this victory that took place yesterday. Jimmy Garoppolo almost threw it away. He tried as hard as he could. He was the 12th man yesterday for the Dallas Cowboys. So enough of that. Let's get into the game. Let's talk about what happened yesterday. Cowboys, 49ers, AT&T Stadium, Jerry World in Dallas, Texas. That also has a hole in the roof and was built east to west with holes all over the stadium so the sunlight can peek in so God can watch his favorite football team play. And also so Cowboys receivers can't catch the football because the sun is in their fucking eyes. The Cowboys also, the Cowboys got beat by the 49ers in their own stadium yesterday. The Niners and AT&T Stadium both beat the Dallas Cowboys because the receivers couldn't catch the football. Cedric Wilson and a bunch of other guys missed easy catches because the sun was in their eyes because the Cowboys, in their infinite wisdom, decided to build a billion-dollar stadium from east to west and allow the sunlight to peek in and build a fucking jumbotron the size of a naval aircraft carrier so when you go to punt the ball, the ball bounces off the jumbotron. Money well spent, Jerry. Fucking idiots. Let's go ahead and get right into the nitty-gritty. Let's talk about this game. Opening drive, opening possession, 49er football. This is vintage Kyle Shanahan. Kyle was on full display with his opening drive. Misdirection, play action, bootleg, wide receiver screen, physical running between the tackles, dominating the line of scrimmage, beating the Cowboys at the point of attack. Debo Samuel at the backfield as a running back. Elijah Mitchell running the ball between the tackles. Debo Samuel catching wide receiver screens. Jimmy Garoppolo throwing dig routes and slants to Brendan Ayuk. Rolling to his left, hitting Travis Benjamin of all people. His, that might have been Travis Benjamin's first catch of the entire season. This was an awesome opening drive, and it culminated with an Elijah Mitchell touchdown to make it 7-0 on the opening drive. Kyle Shanahan showed up on his first drive, as he usually does. If you're going to watch a 49er game, watch the opening drive. Pay attention to the opening drive by the 49ers when Kyle can script the first 15 plays from scrimmage. And that's when Jimmy Garoppolo looks his best, when everything is on script. Once you get past the script, he turns into shit. Unless he's playing fast, like I said last week. Unless he's playing no huddle. Then all of a sudden he can figure it out and play quarterback at a high level. But that opening drive was a statement, and that was vintage Kyle Shanahan. That was 49er football. That was physical. That was running the football. That was Debo Samuel being Debo Samuel, a.k.a. the best football player in the National Football League. Tyshawn, Raekwon, Debo Samuel Sr. You just had a kid. Congratulations. Tyshawn, Raekwon, Debo Samuel Sr., the best football player on the planet you heard what the fuck i just said that dude is awesome they should build a statue for him in front of levi stadium they should rename levi stadium to debo stadium in his honor they should they should already induct debo samuel into the 49er ring of honor 
That dude is awesome. 2021 NFL League MVP, Debo Samuel, kicking ass from start to finish in this game. Dallas gets the ball, goes three and out. Dak Prescott sacked by Nick Bosa. Bosa running a stunt, coming from the outside, going inside, getting pressure on Dak Prescott and bringing him down. They got to punt the ball back to the 49ers. Niners have the ball back. Putting together a pretty nice drive, mixing the run with the pass. Some nice throws by Garoppolo. Hit Jawan Jennings on a nice out route. That was probably Jimmy's best throw of the day or one of the best throws of the day for Jimmy. Running the football between the tackles, controlling the clock, controlling the line of scrimmage, being physical, all the above, all the football cliches you can throw out. Just kicking ass, moving the ball down the field until they got to a second and five where they run another play action, another bootleg rollout for Garoppolo. The play gets blown up. Jimmy's under pressure. He throws it back to Elijah Mitchell. They lose about five, six yards in this play. Totally disrupts the entire drive. I didn't like the play call. Like I said, you've been gashing them between the tackles. Just keep doing that. But he tried to dial up something down the field. He had George Kittle open downfield if he had time. Truthfully, Jimmy didn't have time on this play. But he threw it behind him behind the line of scrimmage, like five yards behind himself to Elijah Mitchell. Poor decision by Garoppolo. Just throw it away or dump it off to someone in front of you. Don't throw it behind you. He's fortunate it wasn't a turnover. But, you know, Robbie Gold, a few plays later, comes out and kicks the field goal, makes it 10 nothing 49ers. But this, this started a troubling trend uh, in the first half that I felt like was going to come back to bite us, not scoring touchdowns. We're dominating this game. We're beating the Cowboys in every aspect of this game. They can't get nothing going. We're moving the ball down the field repeatedly, but kept having to settle for field goals instead of scoring touchdowns. I felt like in the back of my mind, I had a sneaky suspicion. I was like, this might come back to bite us. In a playoff game when you can't score touchdowns, you usually lose. I think about the 2011 NFC Championship game as a 49er fan against the New York Giants. Same thing, we moved the ball between the 20s, couldn't punch it in for six, couldn't score touchdowns, lost that football game to the Giants. You have to score touchdowns in the playoffs. Fortunately, today didn't come at the bite us. But going forward in other games against better teams and better quarterbacks, you got to punch it in for six. You know, And all throughout the game, I'm in a group chat with some friends of mine, and we're all 49er fans. We're talking about and discussing the game. And the point I kept making in the group chat was Jimmy's not playing horrible right now, but he's also not doing anything extraordinarily well to put the Niners over the top. He's not doing anything obviously wrong to ruin the game yet. This was in the first half. He's not doing anything egregiously stupid or fucked up to cost the 49ers the game in the first half, but he's not hitting big, explosive plays. And that's consistent with the kind of quarterback he's always been. He can manage a game sometimes. He's Jekyll and Hyde. He's hot and cold. He's up and down. Sometimes he can manage a game. Sometimes he can lose you a game or almost lose you a game as he did in the second half. But he's never going to be that guy to push it down the field vertically and create big plays or escape out the pocket and extend plays and make things happen. He's never going to be that guy to light the scoreboard up on a consistent basis. He's had some games here and there where he did that, but it's not consistent. As I've always said about Jimmy Garoppolo, he's consistently inconsistent and 
He limits the offense. This team has so many playmakers on it. Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Kyle Juszczyk, Elijah Mitchell. This team, Juwan Jennings, who's emerged in the past two or three weeks. This team has playmakers. And you have a quarterback who can't properly utilize those playmakers. It limits, it handcuffs the entire offense. And that's what I felt like Jimmy was doing in the first half. I felt like there were some throws there to be made if you push it down the field vertically, but that's something he's just not capable of doing. And you got to settle for field goals, so now it becomes like 10 nothing or 13 nothing or 16 nothing, 16-7 going into half. And as a fan, it's just troublesome to me because in the back of my mind, as I already said, I'm worried about you know the other team getting their momentum together or a big play happening or a big turnover that can spark a run for the opposing team and they can get back into this game when you could have been up 21-0, 28-0 and just buried them in the first half and put this game away. But when you settle for field goals, you leave the door open and you allow this other team to have life. And we saw that in the second half. But at the same time, I don't know. It's like, it's like a catch-22. It's like... You know, I want touchdowns because I'm greedy, because I'm a fan. I want to be up 28-0, 35-0. I want a big, comfortable lead. But at the same time, this is the playoffs, and points come at a premium. And if you have an opportunity to kick a field goal and make it 10-0, 13-0, 16-7, so on and so forth, always take the points, especially in the playoffs. I got annoyed during the season when I saw coaches foolishly going forward on fourth down and neglecting points. Kyle did that the first game versus Arizona, the, the Trey Lance game, where he left about nine points in the field in a game he lost by seven. So it's, like I said, it's a catch-22. You know, it's hard to really say. And in this game, it, it ended up working out because you took the points. You know, those nine points decided the game. Robbie Gold won this football game pretty much because you make it 23-17, which was the final score. You know, let's say, let's say Kyle had gone for it on fourth down three times and just didn't make it. Now you're leaving nine points off the board and you lose 17-14. So in the playoffs, the stakes are higher. Take the points. But at the same time, just me being greedy, you know, I wish we had a quarterback that could create big plays and make some shit happen and punch it in for six and create distance. I became even more worried once, you know, inside of six minutes, Dallas started to put together a drive because they were getting stonewalled for the first quarter and the half of the second quarter. It was 10-0, 13-0. And then Dallas finally found some life, put together a drive that culminated with a Dak Prescott touchdown pass to Amari Cooper, a beautiful throw, a beautiful route. Uh, Kwan Williams in coverage on Amari Cooper really wasn't too much he could have done on this play. Like I said, the throw in the route was too good to the back of the end zone. Well done job by the Dallas Cowboys and by Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper. Touchdown, Dallas. Now that crowd's back into it because they were asleep for a little bit. They were asleep for the first quarter and a half. Now they're back into the game. They're making some noise. They have life. They have momentum. They're feeling good about themselves. I became even more worried when after the Robbie Gold field goal to make it 16-7, Dallas has the ball back, putting putting together a drive at the end of the first half. And by the way, because the 49ers, as I already said, had the ball first to begin the game, the Cowboys would have the ball to begin the second half. So now I'm thinking in the back of my mind, you know, if Dallas scores here, it's 16-14. 
They get the ball first to begin the second half. They could potentially make it 21-16. You know, these are the kind of things I worry about when I'm watching the game. Like for me, personally, when I'm watching a football game, I'm always thinking about different situations that might come about. I'm always kind of thinking ahead throughout the game to the third and fourth quarter. And at that end-of-the-half situation, I'm thinking about the opposing team scoring, getting the ball to begin the second half, and making things difficult, taking the lead, and being up up against the 49ers. It's no different than what legendary player, coach, commentator in basketball, Doug Collins would always say. Doug Collins always made the same point over and over again on every basketball broadcast he ever did. He always talked about winning the last two minutes of the half. Because if you, if you can win the last two minutes of a half or the last two minutes of a quarter, that carries over momentum into the next quarter. Because in basketball, let's say you're down 15 going into the third quarter, going into the fourth quarter or whatever. It's 83-68 with two minutes, 30 seconds left to go in the third quarter. You go on a quick... 9-0 run, now you just closed the gap. Now it's only a six-point deficit going into the fourth quarter. Now you feel better about yourself. That lead is not so insurmountable. It's a six-point deficit. It's a two-possession game in basketball. Same thing in football. You're down 16-7 going into the half. You score a touchdown. You're right back in this thing. You're right back in business. You're only down by two, and you get the ball first to begin the second half. You can take the lead, go up 21-16. You've got momentum. You scored 14 unanswered points to take the lead in this game. But two things happened at the end of the first half that greatly benefited the 49ers. Number one, as I already mentioned, the sun intervened, was peeking through. It was a, you know, it was a 4.30 kickoff on the East Coast. I think that means it's a 2.30 kickoff in Dallas. So it's still the middle of the day. The sun's peeking in so God can watch his favorite team play. But that also prevented... God's favorite football team from catching passes across the middle. The 49er defense caught a couple of breaks because of that and also penalties, which was a theme throughout the entire game. Lyle Collins, playing right tackle for the Dallas Cowboys, was holding Nick Bosa the entire game, the entire first half. Uh, He should have been called. He should have been flagged several times for holding, but they started calling it towards the end of the second half, and he got flagged for holding. Could have been hands to the face as well. Unfortunately for the 49ers, Nick Bosa was injured on the same play when he ran into his teammate, DJ Jones, number 93. Friendly fire, knocked himself out cold. Uh, Was out for the game with a concussion after this play. Did not play the entire second half. Was taken to the blue tent, received medical attention. So we lost our best pass rusher. Obviously, that sucks. But what didn't suck was that it was now third and 19 for the Cowboys with about 40 seconds left to go. Another incomplete pass because of the sun. Dallas had the punt. Now we go into halftime. Niners get the ball. Just ran the clock out. Going to halftime, 16-7. They come out the locker room. Cowboys get the ball first to begin the second half, as I already mentioned. And once again, it's penalties. After a completion to tight end Dalton Schultz, On second and nine, a five-yard completion to make it third and four. Dallas has consecutive false start penalties to now make it third and nine, and then third and 14. And then the next play, Eric Armstead gets through and gets a sack on Dak Prescott. So that just killed the whole drive right there. You go from third and four, that's third and manageable, to now third and 14, obvious passing down. The defense can relax, rush four, drop seven. 
And the Niners, because we have such a great pass rush and a great defensive line, can get home with, with just four guys. And Eric Armstead comes in and makes the sack. Now you have to punt. Your whole drive got fucked up because you lack discipline. So now you got to punt. It's third and long. You got to fourth and long. You got to give the ball back to the 49ers, or at least we thought so. Now the 49ers fuck up with a lack of discipline and commit a roughing the kicker penalty, which now creates a first down. Stupid fucking penalty. The 49ers special teams has been awful and abysmal the entire season, ranked 26th in the NFL this season. I don't even know. The fact that there's six other teams with a worse special teams unit than the 49ers is baffling because I've been watching this team play all season. The Niners special teams is awful. It's the drizzling shits and a stupid penalty on this play to create another set of downs for the Dallas Cowboys and give them life. But give all the credit, give all praises due to D'Amico Ryans and that 49er defensive unit. They come right back on the field and they shut down Dallas again and just make them have to punt again, and this time no penalty. D'Amico Ryans is going to be a head coach for some team in the NFL, preferably a team with a decent, competent, pretty good NFL quarterback. D'Amico Ryans is awesome. First-year defensive coordinator, and this football team, the 49ers, are fourth in the NFL defensively in his first year as defensive coordinator. So many idiot 49er fans were blasting this dude and blasting the defense all season and saying the defense isn't good enough. The defense blew a lead. The secondary sucks. The defense has been the best unit on the football team all season consistently. The only bad game this defense really had was that second game versus Arizona where they got beaten by Colt McCoy and James Conner and a bunch of screen passes. Other than that, this Niner defense has been lights out the entire season. They've been playing at, a, at an exceptionally high level, consistently high level the entire season. The 49er defense has been better than the 49er offense. Domingo Ryans is the best coach on this team. Niners get the ball back, can't do shit with it, got to kick the ball back to Dallas. Dallas putting together a pretty decent drive. Dak Prescott completes another pass to Dalton Schultz. Close to a first down, the play gets called back for the illegal block in the back. Dallas shot themselves in the foot so many times in this game. Just self-inflicted wounds like Kurt Cobain with a shotgun. This team killed itself in this game. They did us a favor. They helped the 49ers out. And as a 49er fan, I'll take it. Just stupid football by the Dallas Cowboys from top to bottom, start to finish. A complete organizational failure. They were abysmal in this game. Lazy and undisciplined. No attention to detail, just overall fucking stupid. A complete collapse by the Dallas Cowboys. And this high-powered offense that was number one in the NFL in points scored and yards and passing yards, and Dak Prescott putting up video game numbers all season. Week 18 against the Philadelphia Eagles backups. Dak Prescott's on the field in a meaningless football game, tossing the ball into the end zone, trying to get 37 touchdown passes so he can surpass Tony Romo and have the all-time Dallas Cowboys single-season touchdown record. The entire season, all this overrated team did was beat up on backups from the worst division in pro football and run the score up on them. They put 56 on the Washington pro football team in Landover. Congratulations. You beat the shit out of a COVID-stricken team that's so inept and so garbage that their own fucking stadium is falling apart. A team with no nickname. 
a team that's best known for having quarterbacks whose legs explode every November 18th. Or the New York Giants, another team in the NFC least. You beat them twice this year. Congratulations, Dallas. You beat up a team that's so worthless, they call it a quarterback sneak on third and nine from their own four-yard line. The Giants belong in the XFL, but that's the caliber of competition the Dallas Cowboys were beating up on most of the season. This high-powered, high-flying, explosive offense that was killing teams from the NFC least on a weekly basis, putting up 40, 50 points on these sorry-ass, mediocre, drizzling shit football teams, finally had to step up in weight class and play against a real football team, and they were struggling to score seven points midway through the third quarter. And then Dak Prescott threw an interception to Kwan Williams. In Dallas territory at his own 25-yard line, Rain Dakota Prescott threw the ball to the other team. Turnover, 49ers ball. The ensuing play, 2021 NFL League MVP Tyshawn Raekwon Debo Samuel took a handoff from Jimmy Garoppolo and ran 25 yards. I love the discipline on this play. I love the patience. He set up his blocks he made a nice cut back to the inside, and it outran two Cowboys defenders. Touchdown, Debo Samuel. Touchdown, 49ers. Now it was 23-7. And now, as a 49er fan, we have reached the danger zone. Because at this very moment, I am now becoming inundated with phone calls and text messages and instant messages and carrier pigeons and a message in a bottle. Everyone I know who knows I'm a 49er fan is reaching out to me and congratulating me on the victory and is telling me, hey, man, good job. Your team won. This is a dub, man. You guys are kicking the Cowboys' ass. You guys are going to move on in the playoffs. You guys already won this game, man. Good shit. Congratulations on your favorite football team winning this football game today. And in that very moment, I had to quote, the words of the late, great Kobe Bean Bryant and remind all of these people, slow it down, pump the brakes, job is not finished. Job not finished. Is the job finished? I don't think so. Job's not finished. Job ain't done. This game is not over. This game is far from over. It's only a 16-point game. That's two touchdowns and two two-point conversions. The tightest football game. End of the third quarter, Got a lot of football left to go. Stranger things have happened. People are calling me, texting me, reaching out to me, and congratulating me on a 49er win. I had nothing of it. I wanted nothing to do with that. Leave me the fuck alone. Future reference, if you're listening to this podcast and the Niners have a lead late in the game, leave me the fuck alone. Don't say shit to me. Don't say a damn thing to me until the game is over. When you see four zeros at the end of the fourth quarter and the 49ers have more points than the opposing team, then you can reach out to me. In the middle of the game, shut the fuck up and leave me alone. With all due respect, please leave me the fuck alone. This story has happened before. Super Bowl 54, same thing. Niners 20, Kansas City 10. Tavarius Moore picks off Patrick Mahomes. Same script. People are reaching out to me, phone calls, texts, instant message, whatever the fuck, and trying to congratulate me on the 49ers winning the Super Bowl. And then what happened? The Chiefs go on a 21-0 run and close the game out and win 31-20. 
This was after the 49er defense ran down to the end zone and posed for a, a fake team picture. Word of advice, future reference, do not congratulate me during the fucking game. It's bad juju. It's bad karma. As a sports fan, you should not do that to another sports fan. Leave me the fuck alone. Don't say shit to the game is over and the 49ers have won. Once again, in the words of the late, great Kobe Bean Bryant, job's not finished, job ain't done. And plus, other people do not take into proper consideration the woefully inept starting quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers. I watch every snap, every down, every play of this football team. I know what this guy is capable of. It's not good things most of the time. It's usually bad things. I know we have a quarterback on our team who's being paid $27 million a year, who's the fifth highest paid player in the National Football League, who's 30 years of age, who's been in the NFL for eight years and been in Kyle Shanahan's system for five years. I know we have a guy on our team who has this ability to not only keep his team in the game, but also has an ability to keep the other team in the game. The 12th man for the Dallas Cowboys, the guy who was in the running, on the verge of being most valuable player of the game for the Dallas Cowboys, the football version of Pete Rose, because it certainly appears to me sometimes that he might be gambling against his own team and can be accused of point shaving. Jimmy Garoppolo, is playing quarterback for the 49ers, and he will keep your team in the game. He will make the game unnecessarily close. He will make this game a nail-biter. He will make this game a cardiac arrest game. He will make football for the 49ers way more difficult than it needs to be. He will make the game harder than it has any business of being. The 49ers, the San Francisco 49ers, were exponentially better than the Dallas Cowboys. This game should have been a runaway, a blowout, a boat race. There should have been bloodshed on this field. It should have been somewhere in the high 30s or 40s for the 49ers. They should have beaten earth, wind, fire, and ice out of the Dallas Cowboys. But have no fear, Jimmy Garoppolo is here. To the rescue of Dallas Cowboys and network executives, here comes Jimmy Garoppolo riding in on a Trojan horse to stink up the joint and be smellier than an anchovy's cunt. And potentially for the second week in a row, for the third game in a row, throw away the San Francisco 49ers season. It started with a third and 11, late in the third quarter. You have an opportunity to ice this football game, to finish this game, to make a statement, to end this right now. You could potentially go up 30-7 to going into the fourth quarter. There's your game. It's over. Dallas is already deflated, demoralized, and defeated. You have a chance to put the final nail in the coffin. And there is Brandon Ayuk, who ran a devastating double move on Trayvon Diggs. He smoked Trayvon Diggs the entire game. Trayvon Diggs was barbecue chicken. Trayvon Diggs leads the NFL with 11 interceptions, takes a lot of risks, Takes a lot. He gambles a lot, takes a lot of chances. That's how he gets the majority of his interceptions. But because of that, you can beat him deep down the field, and that's been the case all season long. He's been getting routinely beaten on double moves down the field, and big play capability can happen against him. 
And on this particular play, Brandon Ayuk runs a double move on Trayvon Diggs to create so much separation that it looked like Brandon Ayuk had filed a restraining order against Trayvon Diggs to stay 500 feet away from him. He is wide ass open. But this has been a trend all season long, unfortunately, for 49er fans. How many times have we seen Kyle Juszczyk run a wheel route out the backfield and be the loneliest man on the field, no one within 15 yards of him running down the sideline, unimpeded, wide the fuck open, and Jimmy Garoppolo sailed it over his head about 10 yards, out of bounds, completely missed him. We've seen this time and time again. I've complained about this. I've lamented about this numerous times on this podcast. He can only throw in the middle of the field between the numbers. Deep passes, 20 yards or more down the field, outside the numbers. He can't do it. He struggles. And that's putting it nicely. He fucking sucks at it. This dude cannot hit big plays to save his life down the field. About once every six games, and that's being generous, about once every 10 games, He'll hit a big throw down the field, a big a big chunk play. In this game, you didn't see none of that. Everything, like I said, short intermediate routes. It's a broken record at this point. I've been saying it all season. Short intermediate routes, slants, curls, digs, screens, etc. An, an angle route out the backfield to a running back or Kyle Juszczyk or whoever. That's about it. I knew coming into this game you could take advantage of Trayvon Diggs' risky style of play with double moves, like I said, but the quarterback for the 49ers is not capable of doing that. You can't run a sluggo against Trayvon Diggs and have success because Jimmy can't get it to him, whoever that receiver might be. You can't run a corner post. You can't run a go route and try to have success because Jimmy Garoppolo ain't that kind of quarterback to hit those kind of passes. The playbook is not open. The playbook is limited with Jimmy Garoppolo. I've been saying this all season long. And in this game, you saw it on full display. It was unconscionable to miss that throw to Brandon Ayuk. There's no, there's no excuse for that. You're an NFL quarterback. You've been in the league long enough. You're getting paid a lot of money. People keep telling me you're a great NFL quarterback. That when you play, you are the sole reason the 49ers win. Never mind Debo Samuel being awesome and amazing in what he does. Never mind D'Amico Ryans. Never mind that defense, in particular that front four with Armstead and Bosa and DJ Jones and Arden Key. Never mind those guys. No, it's not them. It's Jimmy Garoppolo. It's all him. He's the reason the Niners always win. He carries the team. We got to a Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo leading the way. The 49ers shouldn't even bother putting 10 other players on the field on offense. They should just have Jimmy Garoppolo drop back the pass and throw it 40 yards down the field to himself like Mr. Perfect back in the day and those vignettes on WWF superstars. Just have Jimmy Garoppolo hand the ball off to himself and throw it to himself and block for himself because apparently he's the end-all, be-all. He's the bee's knees. He is the only reason the 49ers win football games. At least that's what I keep being told. So this guy is so great, so good, so awesome. Why the fuck does he miss wide open receivers down the field? Why can't he hit big plays? When you leave food on the table, eventually someone's going to eat it. And Jimmy Garoppolo is very charitable and very philanthropic with his throws, very generous. 
He leaves a lot of food on the table, and eventually the Dallas Cowboys sat down and fixed themselves a plate. And you know what the worst thing about this play was? He had time. The offensive line held up the entire game. He didn't get sacked once in this game. Against a nice, a pretty good and ferocious Dallas Cowboys pass rush with Randy Gregory and Demarcus Lawrence and Michael Parsons, the offensive line held up. Jimmy Garoppolo did not get sacked one time in this game. And on this particular play, he had time to set his feet, step into the throw, and make an accurate pass down the field to a wide-ass open Brandon Ayuk, and he missed because he's been missing all season. He's been missing most of his career because he is, wait for it, overrated. But the 49er defense to the rescue once again, they continue to bail out Jimmy Garoppolo, even with another special teams blunder with a fake punt conversion against the absolutely horrendous and putrid Josh Norman, who even though on special teams duties gets fucked up and blows plays, gives up a fourth down conversion to the Cowboys, the Cowboys drive the ball a little bit down the field, but they get stifled. They get stopped again. D'Amico Ryans and that defensive unit once again rise to the occasion and hold the Cowboys to a field goal. That was 23-10. Okay, 49ers have the football back. We're on the move. George Kittle catches his first pass of the game. George Kittle, I thought, played a decent game, uh, and particularly in run blocking because he only had like one catch. And it came in the fourth quarter, caught a nice dig route across the middle, picked up a first down. Nice throw by Jimmy Garoppolo on time, rhythm, precision, precision on schedule, all the above, etc. Great job by Jimmy on his play. Now, here's the Jimmy Garoppolo experience. Jimmy giveth and Jimmy taketh away. Because on second and 11, Jimmy throws an absolutely disgraceful interception to Anthony Brown of the Dallas Cowboys. I've said this before in the podcast. Jimmy Garoppolo's passes are higher than California gas prices. Maybe the San Francisco 49ers should get Giannis Antetokounmpo and Joel Embiid to play wide receiver for the 49ers to catch Jimmy Garoppolo's high-ass passes. His passes are higher than everyone on 420. Flushed out of the pocket, rolling to his right, looking for Trent Shurfield. And the second time, the first time he tried to throw to Trent Shurfield, that pass was almost intercepted. That pass was batted down by two Cowboys defenders. It should have been picked. He got lucky the first time. Not so lucky the second time. This Cowboys defense was best in the NFL in turnover margin with a plus 14. That's really good. So I have my doubts and my suspicions coming into this game, my trepidation, because I'm thinking about the Cowboys being plus 14 in takeaways, and then I'm thinking about Jimmy Garoppolo and his propensity to turn the football over, let's just call it what it is, man. Let's get down to brass tacks. Let's be honest. It's the Deion Gordon podcast, the purveyor of authenticity, all that shit. Let's talk about what really happened and what really has happened in his last three games. Jimmy Garoppolo has thrown five interceptions, two against Tennessee, two against the Rams, and one against the Dallas Cowboys. Five interceptions in three games is not good. So in the back of my mind, I had this doubt. I kept thinking to myself, watching the game, at some point he's going to turn the ball over. Because when I saw that first play, as I alluded to earlier, the, the pass to Sherfield, the first time he tried to hit, uh, hit Trent Sherfield and it got picked off, I'm starting to think to myself, there he is. That's not Jimmy G. That's Jittery G. He's feeling it now. The pressure, the heat is on. The, the windows, the walls are closing in on him. Starting to, he's starting to feel it now. The pressure, the moment is getting to him. 
You're on the road. You're in AT&T Stadium against the Dallas Cowboys. Over 100,000 people are at this game. You brought in your own personal entourage, friends and family. This is going to be the highest rated game of NFL Super Wild Card Weekend. The 49ers and the Cowboys. The biggest, one of the biggest rivalries in the NFL. It's the only game on right now. Everyone's watching this game. And Jimmy has a habit of shrinking in January, in the playoffs, in pivotal moments. Jimmy Garoppolo in the fourth quarter of his four playoff starts for the 49ers is 9 for 20, 93 yards, zero touchdowns, two interceptions, a 19.4 quarterback rating. That's the lowest fourth quarter playoff quarterback rating in the last 30 years. In the fourth quarter of four playoff starts, 9 for 20, 93 yards, zero touchdowns, two picks, 19.4 quarterback rating. But that's the motherfucker that's the reason the 49ers always win. <sighs> Moving on, Dallas now has the football. Down 23-10, crowds come to life. Momentum on their side. Three players later, Dak Prescott runs for a touchdown. Now it's 23-17. On this same drive, Fred Warner, our all-pro linebacker, arguably the best linebacker in pro football, Injures himself, hurts his ankle on this on this drive, and is out for the rest of the game. I blame Garoppolo for that. If you don't throw that stupid-ass interception, then Fred Warner doesn't get hurt. That's your fault, Jimmy. Niners get the ball back. Can't do a goddamn thing with it because Garoppolo fucking sucks. The ball goes back to the Cowboys. Cowboys putting together a drive. They get to about midfield. It's third and 11. Dak Prescott pressured out of the pocket and runs, scrambles. Tries to float a pass to Ezekiel Elliott, who did nothing in this game. Debo Samuel was a better running back than Ezekiel Elliott. Zeke runs like he has a piano on his back, like he's stuck in quicksand. He is washed. He's gotten progressively worse every year of his career since his rookie season, and especially since he got paid. But Dak tried to float a pass out to him. If Zeke makes this catch, he probably picks up the first down to extend that drive, unable to come down with it. Now it's 4th and 11. 49ers come with a zero blitz. They're bringing pressure, setting everybody. Man coverage on the back end. Dak flushed out of the pocket, floats it downfield to Cedric Wilson. Incomplete pass. Thank God. The defense, once again, Domingo Ryans, give this man his flowers, please. Call 1-800-Flowers and send a delivery to Domingo Ryans expeditiously. Give this man his flowers. Although I will say this, that was a hell of a throw by Dak Prescott. Uh, under pressure, under, under very much under a lot of duress. And to get that ball out and to get it in the, the vicinity of Cedric Wilson, he could have made that catch. It just fell a little bit short, a little bit outside of his catch radius. But that was a hell of a throw to even get it that close by uh, Dak Prescott. Uh, but Niners have the ball back. It gets to about midfield. Third and 10, drive stalling out again. We now have one minute left in the game. The Cowboys have no timeouts left. The 49ers are trying to run the clock out, preserve this victory, and move on to the second round to Green Bay next week. All they got to do is run the clock out, get a first down, and this game is over. It's third and ten. Kyle Shanahan reaches deep into his bag of tricks and calls a reverse, an end-around reverse to Debo Samuel, your best player. Why not? When the game is on the line, when the season is on the line, put the ball in the hands of your best football player. Do not 
put the ball in the hands of Jimmy Garoppolo because he'll probably fuck it up as he would, as he tried to do one more time before this game was over. We'll get to that in a little bit. But you give the ball to Debo Samuel, takes it around the right side, picks up a first down, or so we thought. Apparently he was short. Upon further review, his knee touched before the ball crossed the first down marker. He was a couple of inches short. This, this review, by the way, took forever. This created a lull in the game, brought the game to a screeching halt. It took forever to talk about this play, to review it, to figure out what the fuck was going on. I was waiting for the index card to come out, like Gene Steratore back in the day. I was waiting for the index card. Uh, we didn't see the index card, but they reviewed the play. It took about five, ten minutes, and, uh, an eternity, basically, to figure out what the fuck was going on. Debo Samuel was a couple of inches short. So immediately in my mind, it's fourth down now. I'm thinking to myself, quarterback sneak. Because if there's one thing Jimmy Garoppolo does well, it's quarterback sneak. He is 25 for 25 as a member of the 49ers on quarterback sneaks. That's the best thing he does. I always ask Jimmy Garoppolo defenders, can you please tell me five things he individually does well? If you like this guy so much, if you think this guy's the end-all, be-all, such a great NFL quarterback, if you think he should be the 49ers starting quarterback from now until the end of time, can you please explain to me what five attributes, what five individual traits Jimmy Garoppolo does well? No one can ever answer that question. I swear to you, no one can ever tell me what five things individually he does well. I'll give you one. I'll help you out quarterback sneak he's very good at that 25 or 25 that means he's perfect he's excellent at that he learned that with new england with tom brady who's also awesome at quarterback sneaks in addition to being awesome at everything else a quarterback's supposed to do now jimmy garoppolo does one thing well besides a quick release he quickly throws interceptions it's a quarterback sneak so i'm thinking to myself just bring everyone out heavy formation and just fall forward. All you need is a couple of inches, and this game is over. And we're going to Green Bay. It's a done deal. And Kyle Shanahan calls quarterback sneak on fourth down. He must have heard me. Except, for whatever reason, inexplicably, we motion Trent Williams from left to right. And before he gets set, Garoppolo, because he's a fucking idiot, snaps the ball. And it's a false start, number 71 offense, because the idiot quarterback couldn't just wait. What are you in a hurry for? There's 11 seconds on the play clock when Garoppolo snaps this football. You still got 11, 10 more seconds to go. Just wait. Trent Williams is a very large man. It might take him a little bit to get set. First of all, why is he going in motion in the first place? But if you're going to send him in motion, just wait for him to get set. You have 11 seconds left. Why the fuck are you in a hurry? Where are you going? You got a porn star waiting on you outside? You got to catch a flight? You got to take a piss or something? Like, what the fuck is going on? You have 11 seconds left on the play clock. Settle down. Take your time. Wait for this big-ass motherfucker to get set. And then run the play clock down to th five, four, three, two. And then run the play. And just fall forward and pick up a couple of inches, a half a yard, and end the game. This guy's a fucking doofus. Fourth and one now becomes fourth and six. Dallas still is in this game. They still have life. 
Wisnowski comes out, punt the ball back to Dallas. They have no timeouts. They still go the length of the field, hooking ladder plays. They're getting out of bounds. They're moving the chains, moving the ball down the field. It gets about the 50-yard line. Prescott completes a pass to Dalton Schultz. He gets out of bounds. He gets to about the 34-yard line, 14 seconds left to go. I'm thinking, okay, they're about to do something crazy. They're going to throw it to the end zone. They're well within Hail Mary range. They're going to take a shot. They're going to win this game on a last-second miracle Hail Mary. Amari Cooper or C.D. Lamb or one of these motherfuckers is going to come down with the catch in the end zone. Pandemonium is going to ensue. The crowd's going to go ballistic. And I'm going to be pissed off. And 49er Nation, the 49er Empire, the faithful, whatever you want to call it, they're going to lose their shit. They're going to be waiting at San Jose Airport with pitchforks demanding to see Jimmy Garoppolo so they can tar and feather this man. It's going to be ugly, uglier than a pair of no-limit sneakers. It's going to be bad. I'm going to, I don't know. There's going to be mass suicides in the Golden Gate Bridge. All hell's going to break loose if the 49ers blow a 23-7 lead on the road against the hated Dallas Cowboys in a playoff game and have their season come to an end because their quarterback is a nincompoop and can't finish the game, can't even line up properly for a quarterback sneak. But then a miracle took place, and Dak Prescott inexplicably snapped the ball with no timeouts and ran up the middle, and Dallas was actually at the 50-yard line. Prescott runs about 25 yards, gets to about the 25-yard line, is tackled with about seven, six seconds left to go. And everyone tries to hurry to the line of scrimmage. Dallas takes the ball themselves and spots the football. That's illegal. You can't do that. The umpire has to come up and spot the football. Apparently, the Dallas Cowboys didn't know the rules of the game. The quarterback, Dak Prescott, didn't know the rules of the sport because they tried to spot the ball themselves, which you can't do. So once the umpire finally got up there and, and spotted the football, by the time they tried to snap the ball and run their next play, time had expired, the game was over, and the 49ers win. Somehow, some way, the 49ers win this game. By the skin of their teeth, a game that was too hard, too difficult, to win and it shouldn't have been should have been easier should have been 30 to 7 37 to 10 like I said earlier should not have been this stressful but when you have a quarterback that is depressingly mediocre and can't get basic shit done misses wide open receivers throws boneheaded interceptions can't even line up properly for a quarterback sneak can't even wait for his left tackle to motion and get set when he has 11 seconds left on the play clock it should not have been this difficult. And Cowboys fans, first of all, I'll talk about the Cowboys first. Cowboys fans, Skip Bayless most notably, are bitching and crying and moaning about how the umpire took too long to hurry to the line of scrimmage to get the ball set. There's cameras everywhere. This umpire ran his ass off. This is an umpire. This, this is a referee. He's not an actual football player. He's not running a 4-3-40. He ran as fast and as hard as he could to get to the line of scrimmage and spot this football. It's Dallas's fault for even calling a play as stupid as that in the first place. Throw it to the end zone. I would take a shot. Dak, I've seen Dak Prescott throw a football before. He can throw it that far. Throw two Hail Marys on third, on second, third, third down, whatever the fuck it was. 
you have like 18 seconds, 14 seconds left. I heard Chris Sims on Pro Football Talk earlier saying that you know, when he played in the league for about two or three years, a brief time he was in the NFL, he was always coached by John Gruden and Bill Belichick that if you're going to run a play like that to try to get better field positioning, you got to have at least 18 or 19 seconds left. That's going to give you enough time and give the umpire enough time to spot the football so that you can run the next play. If you have no timeouts left at the, in an end-of-game situation such as that, you got to have at least 18 or 19 seconds on the clock. The Cowboys have 14 seconds. Didn't have enough time. Time ran out on them. Stupid play calling, stupid football, all game, penalties, getting killed in the run game. Dallas gave up 169 yards rushing, only carry for 77 themselves, gave up five sacks, and had 14 penalties, and Dak Prescott completed less than 60% of his passes. That's why you lost the game. Not because the umpire couldn't spot the ball fast enough. You got outplayed. You got beat by a better football team. Despite the best efforts of that team's quarterback, you, you lost the game fair and square and straight up. There was no chicanery involved. You're the Dallas Cowboys. Why would the NFL try to screw you out of a game? You're, you're, a, you're the best team in the league as far as ratings go. You're the highest rated football team in the NFL. You bring the NFL the most money. Why would the NFL try to screw the Cowboys? That makes no sense. You got beat by a better football team. You lost. Deal with it. Take it like a man and shut the fuck up. Now, as far as my beloved 49ers are concerned, thank God for Debo Samuel and Domingo Ryans. Kyle Shanahan, for the most part, called a hell of a game. The defense was stout. The defense bailed out the offense repeatedly, in particular the quarterback. And speaking of the quarterback, oh, Elijah Mitchell, awesome. George Kittle, great job at run blocking. Offensive line, no sacks given up. Everyone else did their job except for number 10. If the 49ers are going to go where I want them to go, where every 49er fan wants them to go, if the season is going to finish in SoFi Stadium in the first Sunday in February in Super Bowl 56 with the 49ers with Kyle Shanahan and company raising the Lombardi Trophy and bringing it home the sixth Lombardi Trophy in 49er history, if that's how the season's going to finish, it's imperative, it's critical, it's crucial, it's pivotal that Jimmy Garoppolo play better and cleaner football than what he played last Sunday against the Dallas Cowboys. That's unacceptable. That's garbage. That sucked. I'm not giving this guy credit for a couple of nice throws in the first half. Fuck that. You get too much credit and too much attention and too much money to be getting praise for completing some passes that any competent NFL quarterback should be able to complete. That was garbage. That was pathetic in the second half. Jimmy Garoppolo was 5 out of 11 for 39 yards in the second half. For the entire game, 16 of 25, 172 yards, no touchdowns, one pick. Quarterback rating of 67.4. That is simply, that's below standard. That's below standard. That's not good enough, man. Because now you got to play against Green Bay. You got to deal with Aaron Rodgers. If you get past them, potentially you got to deal with the boogeyman down there in Tampa, the GOAT, Tom Brady. You're not going to beat those two quarterbacks with that kind of performance. The defense and Debo Samuel can't bail you out every single game. At some point, you got to step your game up and make big boy grown man throws and lead this team to victory like you're supposed to. You're the starting quarterback. If no one else is going to hold Jimmy Garoppolo to a standard, I'll be the only one to do it then. Because too many people want to give him passes. 
I'll just go ahead and say it. If Jimmy Garoppolo was Jerome Garoppolo, you wouldn't be giving him all those fucking passes. If he was melanated, you wouldn't be giving him all these fucking passes. You're not giving Trey Lance those passes. I ain't never seen a black quarterback get this many passes and this many excuses as Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo is the beneficiary of privilege. That's why one of my snarky nicknames for him is Teddy Bridgewater with privilege. Because that's what he is. A middling, basic, average, mundane, milquetoast, decent quarterback who's on an all-star team almost. This team has six Pro Bowl players on it. Debo Samuel, as I've said, in my opinion, the best football player in the NFL, plays for the 49ers. Trent Williams, the best left tackle in the league. Pro Football Focus had him rated as the best player in the league, period. He's on the 49ers. He protects your blind side. George Kittle is in the conversation for best tight end in pro football. Fred Warner is in the conversation for best middle linebacker in pro football. Nick Bosa had 15 and a half sacks this year. He's an elite defensive end. You have quality football players on this team. Joukowsky Tart and Jimmy Ward, in my opinion, are the best safety tandem in the NFL. You got Kyle Shanahan, a top three play caller in the NFL. A great running game. You have all the tools necessary to go out there and be great, and you're still below average. You're still not showing up in key moments. You're still not good enough. You're still making boneheaded decisions and stupid passes and being inaccurate and being completely underwhelming, depressingly mediocre. That's the best way. That's one of the best ways I can describe Jimmy Garoppolo. That was a win that felt like a loss. And people say, well, you know, just you know, celebrate the win, man. You're a fan. Just, just deal with it, man. Just, just be happy. Yeah, I'm happy we won. I'm happy we beat Dallas and took them out. But I'm also a realistic person. I'm also an honest person. I'm going to call what I see. That performance wasn't good enough. And I, I'm also projecting forward. You're not going to beat Green Bay and Tampa or the Rams again. Just because we beat the Rams six times in a row don't mean it's going to be seven automatically. Because that's the NFC Championship game if we do see the Rams again. It's not a guaranteed win. There ain't no guaranteed wins anymore. It's the playoffs. There's only eight teams remaining. Every team is good right now. You look on the, on the AFC side, you got Mahomes. You got Josh Allen. You got Joe Burrow out there lighting shit up. Ryan Tannehill, yeah, but they got Derrick Henry coming back. Garoppolo is the worst quarterback still in the playoffs right now, all things considered. It's a toss-up between him and Ryan Tannehill. I would take Ryan Tannehill with Derrick Henry. That's the caveat. But Jimmy Garoppolo has an elite running game of his own. Not quite like Derrick Henry, but still it's a quality running game. And like I said, Brandon Ayuk, Kyle Juszczyk, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Juwan Jennings, you got weapons all around you, and this is how you play? That's pathetic. He was pathetic last Sunday. I, I, don't, I don't mince words. You've been listening to this podcast long enough. I don't mince words. That was garbage. A better quarterback in the 49ers blow the Cowboys off the field last Sunday. He made that game close, unnecessarily close. He kept the, the Dallas Cowboys in that game for no reason whatsoever. These are rookie mistakes for a guy who's been in the NFL for eight years. Unacceptable. And I'm not going to be some fucking blind-ass fan who's just going to be like, oh, we won, man. Like, what are you so mad about? Fuck that. Because it's not good enough. Because I know it's not good enough. And then when the inevitable happens and we lose a game, and it's because of Jimmy, because Jimmy threw us out of the game, 
Then then people are going to complain. Then people are going to be like, oh, I see what you were talking about. To me, Dallas was Dallas is a good team, but never that good to begin with. Like I said, they benefited from a weak division. The 49ers were always going to win this game, in my opinion. I picked them all week. I had the utmost confidence and belief they can win this game. But I told people all week long, leading up to the game, they win this game if Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't fuck it up. And somehow, some way, the Niners figured out a way to win, even though Jimmy Garoppolo was fucking it up. He's the elephant in the room. He's untrustworthy. I have no confidence in him. Every time he drops back the pass, I have no confidence. I have no positive belief. I think in the back of my mind, it's either going to be behind someone or at their feet or, two, or 10 yards over their head, or he's not even going to throw it down the field, or it's going to get picked off, or it's going to get tipped. Always going to fumble in the pocket. I have no belief in the guy. Why should I? I've been watching the dude play for five years. And to see all these people online defending him and acting like he played a good game, what game were you watching? Oh, he had the second highest QBR of all the quarterbacks who played last weekend. QBR is a bullshit stat. That was created by ESPN 10 years ago. It's a joke. Don't, don't embarrass yourself and say Jimmy Garoppolo had the second highest QBR last weekend. Who gives a fuck? How many touchdown passes he throw? Did he throw for more than 200 yards? Did he play a clean football game? Five picks in the last three games. Five. And it could have been more. You want to tell me that's winning football? You want to tell me the 49ers are going to win a Super Bowl with a quarterback who throws five interceptions in three games? That's going to happen? Fucking ridiculous. The same people online crying about all the criticism and slander Garoppolo gets and demanding that people be nicer to him and treat him with respect. Oh, you guys must not have been around for the Cody Pickett, Sean Hill, Troy Smith, Ken Dorsey, Tim Rattay, JTO Sullivan years. You guys don't know how bad it used to be. Man, shut the fuck up with that shit. Tell your story walking. Go to hell and tell them I sent you. Don't nobody want to hear that weak ass shit. Just because J.T.O. Sullivan and Tim Rattay were trash, it's okay for Jimmy Garoppolo to be trash too. Those quarterbacks sucked, and they played on teams that sucked. He's, Jimmy Garoppolo sucks, and he plays on a team that is Super Bowl caliber. He plays on a team that is awesome, that is ready to win right now. Once they, once they got their shit together midseason, once Kyle Shanahan pulled his head out of his ass and started playing real 49er football, got back to basics, be physical, and run the football. Once we did that, eight and two ever since. Been winning football games. Now here we are in the second round of the playoffs, even with a liability at the quarterback position. Even with a guy you cannot trust unless you are flat out delusional. You can't trust him. He giveth, he taketh away. At some point in every 49er game, you're waiting for the weekly Garoppolo fuck up. That's just what it is because you know it's coming. You're waiting on him to make a mistake. And people can get mad at me for saying it. They they can get mad at other people on other platforms and podcasts for saying it. I don't fucking care. Get your own podcast and you can say whatever you want to say. Until then, fuck you and suck my dick sideways. I'm going to say whatever the fuck I want to say. I'm going to hold this guy accountable. If no one else wants to hold him accountable, I will hold him accountable. It's simply not good enough. And it has to be better. Clean it up and play better football going forward or else I'm going to continue to talk like this. I'm happy the 49ers won. Obviously, I'm a 49er fan. I'm a 49er fan, not a Jimmy Garoppolo fan. There's too many people out there in the fan base 
that I feel like are just Jimmy fans. You're not really 49er fans. You root for the player. I root for the team. And I'll hold everyone on that team accountable. At the same time, I will salute them when they play well. Debo Samuel, I'll give him his flowers. Domingo Ryans gets his flowers. Trent Williams, George Kittle, all the guys already named. They get their flowers because they're awesome and they're good at their job. They're the reason we won this game. Jimmy Garoppolo's at the bottom of the list. He deserves no credit for that win last Sunday, zero. He deserves a lot of the, all the blame almost for the game being as close as it was unnecessarily. It's his fault, and that's just what it is. But, hey, we're moving on. We got Green Bay this Saturday. We'll see what happens. A preview of that coming on later this week. Um, and like I said, we'll see what happens. But Jimmy Garoppolo has to be way better than what he was last Sunday versus Dallas because that was pure shit. So with all that being said, this concludes this episode of the Dion Gordon Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Eternally grateful, always humble, very much appreciative. Until next time, picture me rolling. I'm out. <laughs>